What is up, guys? Um, welcome to Retro Geek, a podcast where basically we take pop culture items, uh, different subjects and things like that, and we basically just geek out about them. Uh, we go into great detail about some things that you probably know and a lot of stuff that you probably don't. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Uh, appreciate it. Um, this is a little bit of a change from the podcast that I did previously, where uh, I do want to spend the next little bit talking about one thing in particular, and today's topic is going to be all about Scooby-Doo. But before we get into that, I do want to share a couple things with you guys really quick. First off, I do have a Patreon account uh, created for the podcast if you guys feel like you want to help support in any way. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, basically, as a Patreon, you get early access to episodes, uh, access to the Discord server, and there's plenty more on the way. This is just the very beginning of this journey, and I'll also make sure that any future podcasts for Patreons will be 100% ad-free, so uh, you will not have information about things like this, and I won't be telling you about Patreon because you'd already be following uh, the Patreon does start at $5 a month, and you can find it by going to patreon.com forward slash retro geek. Uh, if you do want to support the podcast without doing a monthly subscription, you can do that as well at buymeacoffee.com forward slash retro geek. So, um, I'll share with you guys all the Facebook and Twitter information at the end of the show. So let's not waste any time. Okay, so as is customary with all of these shows, I do want to start out right out of the gate with something I like to call five things that you need to know and one that you probably don't. And this is all about Scooby-Doo, so there were a few interesting tidbits I did find out. Uh, the first one is that Scooby's speech disorder is actually called rhoticism, where the R is used excessively. Uh, so this is not something that was just made up. This actually is a real thing. Uh, number two, Scooby's age. Scooby has actually been seven years old for the last 50 years. Uh, number three is something that I have found very interesting. Uh, one of the key elements to Velma has always been her losing her glasses. And this is kind of a running joke to anybody that ever pretends to be Velma. But the result of this was actually from a table read where the voice actress, Nicole Jaffe, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, Nicole actually misplaced her glasses during a table read. Uh, she said the line in character and producers instantly wrote it into the script, basically making it one of her things. Uh, number four, there actually was at one point a live action movie in the works more than a decade before 2002 Scooby-Doo release. Uh, there were plans for Jim Carrey to play Shaggy. Uh, Sarah Gilbert was going to play Velma and Kevin Smith was set to direct. 
Could you imagine what that movie would have turned out to be like? Uh, number five, a very unlikely fan of Scooby-Doo is Carl Sagan, famous astronomer. Uh, his reason was the skeptical nature of the show actually taught kids to question everything out of the ordinary. And then the very last one is uh, the reason that Fred and Daphne broke off from the group so many times was not because of lewd intentions. The writers just decided that they wanted to focus on more interesting characters than those two. Okay, so let's get into some of the origins behind where Scooby-Doo came from in the first place. And to do that, we're going to need to go back to about 1968. So television at that time had shows for kids like Space Ghost, uh, Birdman and Galaxy Trio, Johnny Quest. Uh, and a lot of these were mostly canceled by 1969 because the Action for Children's Television group uh, was protesting excessive violence during Saturday morning cartoons. And Fred Silverman, who was the executive daytime programmer for CBS, took a lot of these protests into account. Now, if you've ever heard the name Fred Silverman, he's actually responsible for shows like All in the Family, Charlie's Angels, The Waltons, Roots. Uh, Time Magazine actually called him the man with the golden gut in 1977. So to sort of counteract these protests, he came up with a show called The Archie Show, which was based off the comic book series. Uh, yeah, the same comic book series that still uh, you can find on shelves even to this day. And if you've never seen the show, one of the key elements to this and still rings in pop culture today was a song called Sugar Sugar, which was a Billboard number one hit in 1969. So even before Gorillaz ever became an animated band, this was actually one of the first animated groups uh, with a major hit on the charts. So Silverman had asked William Hanna and Joseph Barbera to create another teenage rock group show, but this time involving mysteries. He wanted something that was a cross between the I Love Mysteries radio series of the 1940s and a show in the late 50s, early 60s called The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Uh, we're going to get into that one in just a second. Now, Joseph Barbera had developed a version called House of Mystery, uh, but then he gave the task to two gentlemen by the name of Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. Uh, if you've ever heard the name Ruby Spears Production, they're actually responsible for most of the big Saturday morning lineups in the 70s and 80s. And I say 80s because when Fred Silverman jumped to ABC, these guys followed along with him. Uh, go on Google and look for, I promise you, you're going to be fascinated at the number of shows that these two guys were behind. So what they came up with was a show called Mysteries 5, which focused on five teenagers. Jeff, Mike, Kelly, Linda, and Linda's brother, W.W., and I have no idea what the W.W. stood for, uh, along with their bongo-playing dog, who went by the name Too Much. So the idea was, when they're not playing gigs, they're out solving spooky mysteries. But the executives didn't like the title of Mysteries 5, 
so it got the name Who's Scared with more of a focus on Shaggy and Too Much. Now with the current format, executives kind of felt like kids could be scared too easily, so they wanted kind of more of an Abbott and Costello format with more of a focus on Shaggy and Too Much. So, uh, and the Shaggy character actually came from once they started modifying the character's personality and sort of molding the show a little bit, the first thing they did was they dropped the Mike character. Jeff was renamed Ronnie, and then Ronnie was later renamed Fred at the insistence of Mr. Silverman. Uh, Kelly became Daphne, Linda became Velma, and then W.W. became Shaggy. So those names stuck, but they still had the dog uh, by the name of Too Much, and we'll get to him in just a second. Uh, but these four, their character designs were based off of the main characters from that show we just talked about a few minutes ago, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch this show or bring it up on YouTube, it actually starts out with the main character, Dobie Gillis, at the fountain with, uh, he's taking the pose of the thinker which was a statue in the middle of the fountain. And I actually remember seeing this show when I was a kid during the Nick at Night reruns. So I actually have seen the show before and I watched it quite a bit. But anyway, uh, the main characters were based off of the characters from that show. So Dobie Gillis was the model for Fred. Daphne was taken from a character named Thalia Meninger. Uh, Zelda Gilroy was the basis for Velma. And then Shaggy was modeled after a character named Maynard G. Krebs, who was played by Bob Denver. If you hear that name and you think it sounds really familiar, Bob Denver went on to play Gilligan. So in kind of a roundabout way, Gilligan was the influence for Shaggy. Uh, you can actually find a few pictures online with three or four of those characters, and you would swear that you were looking at a live-action representation of characters from Scooby-Doo. It's crazy. Um, but then there came the question of what to do about too much the dog. So they were trying to figure out, do we want this to be a sheepdog, or do we want it to be a Great Dane? Do we want it to be big and cowardly? Or small and feisty. So initially they went with a sheepdog during the initial pitch because they were too afraid of being compared to Marmaduke. Um, but then they actually changed the character design to a Great Dane. Now the character designer, Iwao Takamoto, uh, gave the dog several abnormal characteristics. So initially he took the design of a prize-winning Great Dane and decided to kind of mess with the design just a little bit, make him somewhat more abnormal with both legs, a double chin, sloped back to basically make him as much of an anti-prize winning dog as possible. I guess to add more to the comedic value. But the question is, and I'm sure everybody's asking at this point, where did the name Scooby-Doo come from? Well, this was actually during a late night flight where they were trying to figure out a name for the, the pitch 
And then the song by Frank Sinatra came to mind, Strangers in the Night. And if you're familiar with Frank Sinatra and you're familiar with that song, you can kind of hear the doobie doobie doo in the back of your mind. That's where they came up with the name Scooby-Doo. Retro Geek. So one of the backbones for a lot of these characters has got to be the voice. Uh, you could close your eyes and you could hear these voices and immediately picture them in your mind. Uh, me personally, I have much more of a fascination for voice actors because honestly, this is what I wanted to do when I was a kid. So forgive me if I do spend just a little bit too much time talking about voice actors. Um, and if you guys want a little extra resource, I would very highly recommend going to check out the podcast called Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson. They actually talk quite a bit about some of the people I'm getting ready to discuss with you guys. So uh, the first one, we're going to talk a little bit about Fred Jones. The main voice actor for this is a guy by the name of Frank Welker. Now, if his name sounds familiar, he's done voices for Animaniacs, Futurama, Inspector Gadget, the Smurfs. Uh, he's also the latest person to do the voice of Garfield after Lorenzo Music died in 2001. Uh, he was also in the movie The Trouble with Girls with Elvis Presley, and if you hear them talk about Frank during the Talking Tunes podcast, they mention this quite a bit because Frank likes to bring that up. Uh, so I, I do find that kind of funny. But when you get into the preteen version of Fred, that was actually voiced by a guy by the name of Carl Steven, who actually played young Spock in Star Trek III. Uh, the live-action actor, of course, was Freddie Prinze Jr. in the movies, and he also did the voice during some of the Robot Chicken shorts. Uh, but when Cartoon Network did their live-action movies, he was played by a guy by the name of Robbie Amell. Now, Daphne Blake was voiced in the first season by a woman by the name of Stefaniana Christofferson. Uh, she actually played Lieutenant O'Brien in M.A.S.H. She was also in an episode of Sanford and Son. But after the first season, she was replaced by Heather North. And Heather actually played uh, Sandy Horton in the soap opera Days of Our Lives. She was also in Green Acres, My Three Sons, and was in the wonderful world of Disney film called The Barefoot Executive, along with Kurt Russell. And she's voiced the character for more than 30 years, with her final appearance being in Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico. Uh, in the show A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, the actress Kelly Martin did the voice of a preteen Daphne. And Kelly was also in the show Life Goes On. And she also played in the series ER as Lucy Knight. Um, the next actress to do the voice for Daphne is a woman by the name of Mary Kay Bergman. She was actually the main female voice talent for South Park until she passed away in 1999. Her final appearance was in 2000. Following that, there was an actress by the name of Gray Delisle, who does the voice of Vicky in The Fairly Odd Parents, Mandy in Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. 
Uh, she also plays Nova in Starcraft and Heroes of the Storm. She's been in Tough Puppy, Avatar The Last Airbender, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. I mean, she has done a lot of voiceover roles. Uh, following that, in the live-action movies, Sarah Michelle Gellar played uh, Daphne in both of the live-action movies, but the Cartoon Network live-action was played by Kate Melton. So next one, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Velma Dinkley, who was voiced by, and I mentioned her earlier, Nicole Jaffe. Uh, she was also in the movie The Trouble with Girls with Frank Welker, which is probably where they developed that uh, networking and friendship. But she was also in the Disney movie The Love Bug. Now, she got the role because Heather North, who we talked about a few minutes ago, had recommended her because they were actually roommates at the time. And she had done constant portrayal of the Velma character with some sporadic appearances until her final appearance to date, which was the Scooby-Doo and Monster of Mexico movie that we just mentioned a few minutes ago. Now, following Nicole, uh, Pat Stevens did the voice until 1979, sort of in the middle of the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo series. Uh, Pat actually had some appearances in M.A.S.H., as several nurses. Um, but after the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, Marla Frumpkin took over as voice actress for Pat and returned in the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries in 1984. Uh, in the series, a pup named Scooby-Doo, Velma was voiced by an actress by the name of Christina Lang. And then the actress B.J. Ward did the voice of Velma from 1997 until 2002. Uh, B.J. Ward actually started as a groundling early in her career, but she also did voiceover roles for Betty Rubble from the 1980s until about the 2000s. She was also in Tailspin, Pound Puppies, Snorks, G.I. Joe, and she also did some guest star appearances on Frasier and E.R. So following her... Uh, the next voice actress for Velma is a woman by the name of Mindy Cohn, and she voiced her from 2002 until about 2015. Mindy played Natalie from Facts of Life, and she had found an amazing voiceover career long after the Facts of Life ended, so congratulations to her. And since 2015, uh, a comedian by the name of Kate Micucci took over uh, in 2015, and she is just absolutely hilarious. If you've ever seen any of her stand-up, I highly recommend it. Uh, the live-action movies had Linda Cardellini play Velma in, in both the live-action films, and then in the Cartoon Network TV movies, she was played by Haley Kiyoko. And then we get to Shaggy, or as his full name is, Norville Shaggy Rogers who was voiced by legendary radio announcer Casey Kasem from 1969 until 1997. And the reason he stopped doing the role was because he was asked to do a Burger King commercial, but Casey Kasem had actually requested that Shaggy be a vegetarian like himself. Uh, he got upset and then quit basically on the spot. Following uh, Casey Kasem, 
A gentleman by the name of Billy West did the voice of Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island and some behind-the-scenes stuff in 1998. Billy West did uh, the voice of Fry on Futurama. He also did the voice of Stimpy and several other shows uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. And I think he's actually still doing a lot of voiceover work more recently. Uh, After Billy West, there was a gentleman by the name of Scott Inez who did the role from 1999 until 2002 following Don Messick's death. And we'll talk about Don in just a few minutes. Uh, But he... Continued to do a brief stint as Shaggy until replaced by the original actors in 2002. Uh, so he did kind of some spot-on stuff during the, some of the DVDs and PC games. But uh, in the middle of all this, in the CW show Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, a guy by the name of Scott Minville did the voice of Shaggy. And Scott actually played Dwayne in the series Full House. So if you ever watched Full House, you can kind of get that mental image of that character. Um, But Matthew Lillard had played Shaggy in both of the live-action films and then took over doing the permanent voiceover roles in 2010. Uh, But there was still a little bit of replacement here and there uh, with some of the original actors, but for the most part, it's been Matthew Lillard. And then Nick Palatas had played Shaggy during the Cartoon Network TV movies. Uh, The voice of Scooby-Doo from 1969 until 1996 is a gentleman by the name of Don Messick. Uh, He also did the voice of Astro just before doing Scooby-Doo, and he actually did pretty much the same voice with the two characters. But if you ever wonder which one came first, it was Astro, and then he went on to do Scooby-Doo. Uh, like I said, until he had passed. Um, in the Johnny Bravo episodes, an actor by the name of Hadley Kay did the voice of Scooby-Doo. Uh, and then we talked about Scott Inez, who also did some stuff following Don Messick's death. But um, following that, there was a gentleman by the name of Neil Fanning, who was actually a stuntman. And he did a a brief stint as Scooby-Doo as well. And you can actually find some of Neil's work on the podcast he did with his son called The Brody and Dad Show. Um, But currently, the voice of Scooby-Doo is done by, going all the way back to the beginning, Frank Welker. Um, But during some of the Robot Chicken episodes, uh, Scooby-Doo was voiced by, of all people, Dave Coulier and Seth Green. So... There's even more ties from Full House to Scooby-Doo. And, of course, we can't go through all this without talking about Scrappy-Doo as well. Uh, Scrappy-Doo's voice was provided by an actor by the name of Lenny Weinrib from 1979 till about 1980. And Lenny actually did the voice of H.R. Puffin stuff in the 70s. Uh, but following that... Don Messick did the voice through 1998. Uh, There was the live-action film where Scott Inez, once again, uh, did the voice of Scrappy-Doo during the live-action. But the Robot Chicken shorts were voiced by an actor by the name of Dan Milano. Retro Geek. Okay, so over the course of the last 50 years, there have been 
several different incarnations of the uh, Scooby-Doo name on uh, different TV shows, movies, and things like that. But in reality, uh, most of us would remember just the Scooby-Doo Where Are You series. Now, there's only 25 episodes uh, between the first two seasons, and then there were 16 more that were produced later on in 1978 uh, under the same moniker. Then you get into the Scooby-Doo, the new Scooby-Doo movies, which there were 24 episodes. Those included uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, Speed Buggy, Batman and Robin, Sandy Duncan, uh, The Addams Family, which actually Jodie Foster, of all people, did the voice of Pugsley during those Addams Family uh, movies. Then you get into uh, Phyllis Diller, Don Knotts, Three Stooges. Those were all special guests on these new Scooby-Doo movies. So after that was the Scooby-Doo show and Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics, which featured Scooby Dumb and Shaggy. Uh, then you get into the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. Now, the reason that Scrappy was introduced in 1979 was to try and help with slipping ratings. You know, you got to think that Scooby-Doo's been around for 10 years, so it kind of started to lose steam just a little bit. Uh, but they also went from the typical 30-minute mysteries into some brief seven-minute adventures, and there's usually about three of those per episode. Uh, then there's, you know, Richie Rich and Scooby-Doo show, new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show, just a lot of stuff throughout the 80s. But... One of the key ones I wanted to focus on was actually 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Now, this has kind of a cult following and is probably one of my favorites. Now, the 13 Ghosts did not feature Fred or Velma. It just had Daphne, uh, Shaggy, and Scooby, and Scrappy. And it also featured voice talent from Vincent Price and a character called Flim Flam that was voiced by Susan Blue. So the main difference between this series and most of the other Scooby-Doo mysteries was this involved real enemies as opposed to humans in costumes. But the series was canceled before the 13th ghost would be captured. Um, in some interviews after the fact, it was confirmed that Captain Ferguson was actually the 13th ghost. But the direct-to-video release actually featured the gang helping Vincent Van Gogh capture the last ghost. Uh, I have seen some internet posts and memes where people are saying, God, if only we can make the 13 ghosts a real live action thing. And I think this would be fantastic personally for one of the live action films, especially with you know, special effects and stuff. Gosh. Anyway, uh, after that, there was a series called A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, which featured preteen characters and sort of a younger Scooby-Doo. The show kind of shifted over to the Kids WB with What's New Scooby-Doo and a show called Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. Uh, Cartoon Network then got the rights and started to do their own shows 
with Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. And that had some unique voice talents as well with Patrick Warburton, Linda Carlini, Louis Black, Tia Carrere, Gary Coleman, Vivica Fox. Um, but Casey Kasem actually did a voice role as Shaggy's father. And that was one of his last roles before he unfortunately passed away. Uh, Cartoon Network also had the Be Cool Scooby-Doo series. Uh, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, which is still going off and on. I think they're getting ready to work on a third season. That's all featured on the Boomerang streaming service. But that has voice talents from uh, Halsey, Saya, Bill Nye, Mark Hamill, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Ricky Gervais, Kenan Thompson, Steve Urkel, Kevin Conroy, uh has a spot as Batman, and I think Weird Al is also in one of the episodes. And there's been several direct-to-video specials as well, uh, including two WrestleMania Scooby-Doo mysteries. Uh, so if you ever get a chance to check out those, I think there's upwards of about 30 different direct-to-video releases as well. So, so the overall effect that Scooby-Doo has had on pop culture is pretty apparent. Um, but it's not just in the series. There's actually other different intellectual properties and shows and things that featured the Scooby-Doo gang to some type of degree. Uh, so obviously there's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer who they referenced the main characters as the Scooby gang. And to a certain degree, you've got to believe that that somehow led to Sarah Michelle Gellar getting the role as Daphne in the Hollywood films. Uh, there's also Scooby-Doo and the gang appearing in the Batman Brave and the Bold episode where they helped rescue Weird Al from the Joker and Penguin. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back also had a brief scene with uh, the Mystery Machine and the Scooby Gang. And Cartoon Network also did a spoof of the Blair Witch Project called the Scooby-Doo Project. And there's also a Johnny Bravo episode as well that featured some cameos from the Scooby Gang. Uh, let's see, Futurama also had an episode called the Saturday Morning Fun Pit where different characters took on the role of Scooby characters. South Park also spoofed the, the Scooby gang in an episode called Corn's, Corn's Groovy Pirate Ghost Mystery, uh, with Corn performing Falling Away From Me at the end as kind of the, the musical number that you would normally have during some of the episodes. Uh, anybody that's a fan of Teen Titans Go!, there were actually two different episodes that featured the Scooby gang. One where each member assumed different roles in the episode, the cruel giggling ghoul. And that included the Beast Boy as Scooby. And they were all investigating a spooky amusement park with the help of all people, LeBron James. Uh, then there was an episode called Cartoon Feud where Control Freak forced them to compete against the Titans in a Family Feud-esque type game. Um, and then there is my personal favorite, 
if you're a fan of Supernatural, there was an animated crossover called Scooby Natural in 2018 where Sam, Dean, and Castiel teamed with the Scooby gang to solve a Supernatural mystery. So that's pretty exciting as well. If you ever get a chance to check out any of these, uh, I think it's really cool when you have something like this that kind of blends over into other shows and, and things like that. So hopefully you guys will find that pretty interesting too. All right, so hopefully you guys found this as interesting as I did. Um, and also seeing exactly how many times I could say Scooby-Doo without getting tongue-tied. Um, but thank you for checking out the episode. You know, just one of my favorite things is rambling and talking about anything and everything under the sun. And like I said before, that's kind of what I want this show to be, is something where you can talk about any sort of genre, video games, card games, uh, cartoons, movies, you name it. So if you guys want to see more things like this, definitely check out uh, the social media. I'm on Facebook under facebook.com forward slash retro geek official. And it's also the same on Instagram as well at retro geek official. And then of course, if you guys need to send me an email, you can reach me at retro geek official at gmail.com. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. If you have any suggestions on possibly future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me using those links as well. All right, so again, thank you guys for joining me so much for this episode. And as I like to say, stay geeky, my friends. <laughs>